0: Once Upon a Time is right now, here on Fable City Radio, with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we will be listening to The Riddle, a fairy tale published by the Grimm Brothers, an internationally popular fairy tale based on the theme of a princess looking for a riddle she can't solve to decide who she marries, or trying to avoid marriage by solving any riddle put before her. Her prowess at solving riddles causes the deaths of nine suitors before the tenth one of our story tells her one she can't solve without cheating. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy The Riddle. Once upon a time, there was a prince who decided that he needed to travel. He was desperately tired of staying at home in his father's palace, so he decided to set off on a long journey to pursue his own fortune, taking with him only one faithful servant. The two had traveled far, and the way had been hard. After a particularly difficult passage through a dark forest in freezing temperatures, the prince despaired of passing even one more night in the wilderness. When the two men sat down to rest, they spotted a young girl making her way through the wood. The prince approached her saying, Do you live nearby? We are in need of a place to stay. The girl hesitated before saying, I live very close to these woods the prince sighed with relief. Might I impose on your family to allow myself and my servant to spend the night in your home? I fear that we will freeze to death on this bitter night. I suppose you had better come with me, but I must warn you that my mother is a practitioner of very dark arts. Do not eat or drink anything while you are within her walls if you value your life. You will both be all right as long as you accept nothing from my mother. The prince and his manservant followed the young woman to her home and they stepped inside and found themselves in a small parlor and were grateful for the warmth of the room. In the corner sat an old woman who had the ill-favored appearance of a witch. I'll have to watch out for this old crone, thought the prince, and he gave a knowing nod to his servant. The witch told them that they could sleep on the floor and asked them if they would enjoy some mulled wine she had ready. The prince quickly said that they were too exhausted to eat or drink anything, and the two men made pallets on the floor and went to sleep. Refreshed by a warm night's sleep, the prince and his servant made haste to leave early the next morning and went out to mount their horses. The prince was already in his saddle when the witch ran out with a steaming cup. You must have a draft of this before you leave. The witch called frantically up at the prince. He pretended not to hear her and gave his horse a small kick to get her moving. He assumed that his man was behind him, but the servant tying a bundle to his mount was not yet ready to ride. The witch ran towards the servant, intent on forcing him to drink, but the man leapt aside and went running after his master as she lunged. Tripping, she splashed (laughs) the drink onto the horse's head, and the poor animal immediately fell down dead. The servant caught up to the prince and described what had happened. Then, unwilling to give up his saddle and belongings, the man hurried back to the unfortunate horse to retrieve them the servant found that the horse had already been set upon by a hungry raven, and he thought to himself, with the difficulties we may soon encounter, this might be the best food we come upon for some time. So he killed the raven, put it in a bag, and carried his possessions back to the prince. When everything was loaded onto the remaining horse, they walked until they came to an inn. The inn looked like a good shelter for the night, But unbeknownst to the prince and his companion, they had fallen into a den of thieves, and the innkeeper was in league with the band of cutthroats who planned on killing them in their sleep and stealing their goods. The innkeeper offered to take the prince and his servant to their rooms, and the servant gave him the bag with the raven in it, bidding him to cook it for their supper. The thieves met for dinner to plan the murder of the prince and his servant while the two unsuspecting men rested, but they had scarcely begun the meal when the poisoned meat of the raven killed all twelve of them. The prince and his servant, alarmed by the cries of the dying men, rushed down to find them all dead, and finding the remains of the raven, they knew what had happened. The innkeeper's daughter, who was innocent of the crimes of her father and the thieves, threw open every cupboard and showed the prince their stolen goods, instructing him to take whatever he wanted. But the prince told her to keep the treasures, as he had no need of them, and his servant took only a fresh horse to continue their journey. (laughs) After a while, their travels brought the two men into a new kingdom, where they heard that there was a princess whose father wanted her to marry, but she was a clever girl who was not really interested in marriage, so she told her father and his ministers that she would only marry a man who could tell her a riddle that she could not solve. The princess had three days and nights to solve each riddle, and any suitor who failed her in this task would be put to death. The prince found out that nine suitors had already failed to produce a suitable riddle and lost their lives vying for the hand of the princess. So he sought her out to get a glimpse at what kind of a beauty so many men would be willing to risk their lives to possess. When he saw her, he finally understood. He thought she was the most beautiful and confident woman he had ever seen, and he thought up a riddle on the spot that he knew she would never be able to solve. He made his application to the king to present his riddle to the princess the very next morning, and he was brought before her and the royal judges who were overseeing the petitions and carrying out the death sentences, and the prince told her his riddle. What is, one killed none, and yet killed twelve? The princess repeated the riddle aloud, and invited the prince to sleep in the castle for the next three nights while she thought up the solution. In truth, she was quite troubled by the riddle, and had no idea about what could kill nothing and yet kill twelve. She consulted all of her riddle books on the first day, but she could find nothing, so she waited until the prince had gone to sleep, then she summoned her most trusted maidservant. I am having difficulty finding the solution to this latest suitor's riddle. Perhaps if you visit him in his chamber, he may talk about the solution in his sleep. Cover yourself with a dark cloak to hide your face, place yourself near his bed, and listen carefully, but don't let him catch you. The maid waited until she thought the prince was deeply asleep and went to his room, but the prince, who was suspicious that the princess might try to cheat at her difficult task, had switched rooms with his servant. While the prince slept peacefully in another room, the maid approached the bed, occupied by the servant, listening for anything he might say to help solve the riddle. All of a sudden, the servant sat up in the prince's bed and grabbed the maid. She tore herself out of his arms, but he held onto her cloak as she ran away. The princess spent another unsuccessful day trying to figure out the riddle. When night fell, she sent a different maid to the prince's room, but once again the prince's servant was ready for her and thwarted her plans. On the third night, the prince thought he was safe from further. Their interference, and he returned to his room. But after he went to bed, the princess decided to go to his room on her own, wrapped in her favorite dark gray cloak. She thought the prince was fast asleep, so she whispered in his ear, what does this mean? One killed none? The prince, wide awake, played along. It means a raven ate the flesh of a dead poisoned horse and then died, intoned the prince in a sleepy voice. And what is yet killed twelve? asked the princess. It means that 12 murderers ate the raven and died from the poison, finished the prince. Satisfied that she had the solution to the riddle, the princess rose to steal from the room, but the prince grabbed onto her cloak and she was forced to leave without it. The next morning, the prince was brought before the princess and her judges. She rose and said, I have solved the riddle and I demand that you judges sentence this failed suitor to death. One killed none and yet killed 12, just means that 12 murderers died when they ate a poisoned raven that was killed when it ate a poisoned horse. The judges started to nod in agreement, but then the prince spoke up. The princess only guessed the riddle because she cheated by questioning me in my sleep. The head judge said, You must prove your accusation, to which the prince produced the princess's gray cloak. I took this cloak from her last night, he said. The judges recognized the princess's favorite cloak, and they made their decision. The head judge turned to the princess and said, Let the finest embroidery of gold and silver thread be added to this cloak, for it shall be your wedding cloak. The princess nodded her assent. She had put off marriage for the last time, and she and the clever prince lived happily ever after. The end. I hope you enjoyed my version of The Riddle. Fairy tales that share the theme of the riddle have been very popular around the world. Other versions include Biende, an Italian fairy tale, The Princess Who Wanted to Solve Riddles from Russia, Three Killed Flory, Flory Killed Ten, an African-American folktale, and Three Shining Stones from Mexico. There are a number of others as well. This story brings several things to mind for me. One is that the princess in the story is described as very learned. She loves riddles and has read many books on them, and we know her intellect has stopped any man from winning her hand because she guessed all of their riddles. The terms of her riddle contest are very severe, to say the least. If you're a suitor and you can't stump her, she kills you. Yikes. The story describes her as an incomparable beauty, but if I were a potential suitor, I don't think that would be enough for me to gamble my life on. But when the princess is introduced in the story, we find out that she has already tempted nine men into trying their hand at the contest, and they have each paid for their failure with their lives. The prince protagonist in this story is actually of a temperament that shows he is up to the challenge. The first part of the story shows us his character. He first leaves home to seek his fortune with one brave servant to help him along the way. He shows that he is willing to take risks right from the start. When he encounters the witch's house, he hears the girl's warning, but he shows no fear at the prospect of staying in the dangerous house. I haven't spoken much on this show about the roles of witches in fairy tales, so I think I'll take a moment to do that right now. For me, witches are the X factor in fairy tales, alternately cruel and benevolent, and sometimes just capriciously fickle in their behavior. Some are bent only on murder and mayhem, like the witch in Hansel and Gretel, and others actually help the protagonists in the story like the witch in the Russian fairy tale Vasilisa the Fair. But it's important to note that even when a witch is helpful in a story, they are often unpredictable. The witch named Baba Yaga in the Vasilisa story both offers help and threatens to eat Vasilisa when she is forced to ask the witch "Witch for help. I think the witch in a fairy tale represents the unpredictability of life. As these stories were first shared among peasant peoples, it's easy to imagine that the uncertainty of their precarious lives was always a troubling thing to them. Personifying that uncertainty in a single character is great shorthand. Human beings never know when illness, bad weather, death, and other calamities will strike. A storm might bring the help of irrigation to a farmer's field or it might bring hailstones that crush all of his crops. Witches and fairy tales are like that. You never really know what their appearance bodes until the story works itself out. Now back to the prince and princess in our story. The prince further proves that he is the right person to enter the princess's contest when he passes up the innkeeper's daughter's offer of the stolen riches held by the thieves. He is honest and doesn't want ill-gotten gain. He won't put up with cheating, which fits in nicely with how he handles the princess's desperate cheating to find the answer to his riddle when logic and research fail her. It goes without saying that the princess in our story, as a clever and intelligent woman, will only settle for a man who can keep up with her intellectually. Hence, her choice of the riddle test. She's not testing her suitor's strength, only their cleverness. The prince finds his fortune because he uses his travel adventures to create a fresh riddle that no one could solve except for someone who had also lived his same experiences. To me, his riddle is really like a resume he uses to land the position of royal husband. It speaks to his experience and qualifications for the job. It's a great resume, and he claims his position by using it. The original story doesn't say whether or not the princess is actually happy with the marriage arrangement, but I get the general impression that there's no one else who might make her a good match, so we'll just hope everything worked out, especially after, you know, nine other guys had to lose their lives while she was deciding. That's it for now. Remember, when you apply yourself to any new endeavor, lead with your own life experiences and you'll probably be successful. And meet me again soon for another story in Fable City Radio.